This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. Your contracting business generates an income, but how much of that do you keep as profit? And what if you could keep even more profit in your pocket? On this episode, our guest is Dave Yoho. Now, Dave is, if you don't know Dave, He has been in this industry for a very long time. In fact, he started out early in his 20s and he founded a home improvement company. And by the 1970s, he had grown it into one of the largest home improvement companies in the U.S. Today, Dave is one of the most widely sought after experts in the home improvement space. His clients and his students who have learned the art of selling home improvement, have collectively done billions and billions of dollars over the years. When it comes to sharing insight about profit, Dave is the one you should be listening to. And in this interview, he doesn't hold back. Dave shares a ton of insight about profit. He digs into the numbers and shares some profound insights on profitability, as well as strategies to keep more of your income as profit. He even answers my question, how much profit should a contractor expect to earn? I think you might be surprised by his answer. So if you want a more profitable business this year, you'll want to listen to this interview. You may even want to listen to it more than once. One other thing before we get into the interview is Dave and his team put on events throughout the year. And he's got one coming up in Washington, D.C. in early June. And if you're interested, if you've not been to a Dave Yoho event, it will be worth your time, I promise you. If you've been to a Dave Yoho event and you haven't been in a while, you may want to check it out. If you're interested, just contact us at G4 Marketing Group and we will set you up with free tickets. So with that said, let's get to it. Okay, welcome to this special episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian, and with me is the one and only Dave Yoho. How are you, Dave? Welcome. Very good. A nice way to introduce me. appreciate that very much. (laughs) So, um, Dave, I have you for a limited amount of time, and I want to get as much of your knowledge out as I can, so let's jump right into it. Okay, um, you're in charge. Go ahead. So the first thing we um, are going to tackle here is, you know, we were talking about this the other day, about how everybody I talked to has just said, man, what a great year they're having this year, how great last year was. And from all reports, 2016 really was a great year for those in the industry. Do you agree with that? Uh, not necessarily. We, we, if you say great and you refer to the fact that they may have done more business in 2016, yes, the the superlative great could be used there. But the fact is that while revenues, business increased for most companies in 2016, higher marketing costs, higher costs for running the business swallowed most of the additional profit. Now, now we do very intense surveys on this. 
And we have about nine segments of surveys. They go to all kinds of companies and all kinds of diverse things, small companies, large companies, residential remodelers, people who specialize in roofing or siding or windows or what have you. So we cover all the markets. And we change the question as whether it's a large or marketing-oriented company, but we get the facts. And the fact is that it costs more to do more business. And in our opinion, in most cases, they were not making the profit to which they were entitled. Now, you know, it's illusionary. You run a small business, and your business is better than the year before, and the cash flow seems good. Not in all cases, by the way, the cash flow. But the cash flow seems good, so you say to yourself, wow, it's a good year. It's the end of the year. Now let's have a bottle of champagne and celebrate. But if, if we ask people to look at the data and details in what it cost them to run that business, it doesn't look that glorious anymore, or at least from this viewpoint. Are they making the profitability to which they are entitled for the assets deployed and the risk they take? Two things, assets deployed and the risk that you're taking. Is, is that clear? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've been having this conversation, as I told you, a lot this year, is asking people, well, great, you had a great year. How much money did you make? And you get some, you get a little bit of pushback there. And so, so one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what is the profit target? And let's talk about replacement contractors, Dave, because that's replacement mostly... Contractors. Yeah, yeah that would be different than remodeling contractors. A little different so, than remodeling contractors, but we have both that are listening. Um, let's talk first about replacement contractors. When we okay. talk about profit, first off, I think I'd like you to give your definition of what net profit is, and then what should that number be? You said entitled to, and I like that language. But what should that number be for a replacement contractor, and then what should it be for a general modeler? Okay, well, for purposes, for purposes of clarity, uh, Brian, the word gross profit often comes into play. And the gross profit is really an accounting term that is used to separate when you get a contract, what was the cost of goods in this, cost of goods meaning how much labor and material, and then the difference of that is labeled as gross profitability. That's a misnomer because it doesn't mean you're going to make a profit at the end. It's talking about a gross margin. So change the word profitability to margin. If you look at the first thing, when you get a contract, say you get a $10,000 contract and it costs you $5,000 of labor and material, your gross margin is the balance, 5000 which represents 50%. Now you have to look at the operating profit of a business because now once you've said 50% gross margin, go back to the 100%. Now what were the costs of your sales, your marketing, what were your G&A, that's your general administrative, and what was your net profitability? All those things have to enter into a pricing, and I'll be happy to answer questions on that. But, but so in other words... Here you have a $10,000 contract. It costs you $5,000 to install it. What you have to less is $5,000. Out of that, you're going to pay your marketing costs, your sales costs, and let's just say for the sake of argument, for single product entrepreneurs, 
if you're selling window siding roofing, yeah, roughly 10% is what is figured as commission for salespeople. Usually ends up being more than that, by the way, as you'll see. But just let's see, it's 10%. It's 10% of the 10 million. So now you got uh, uh, 10% of the 10,000 as well. And I hope I didn't muddy the water. Ten million is saying here. If you do ten million dollars worth of business and your commissions are ten percent, you spend a million dollars on commission. If you did a ten thousand dollar contract, ten percent of that, one thousand dollars is commission, and then you have your marketing costs. So now you take the gross margins first. You have your net operating profit. This sometimes most of the people wait till the end of the year for your for your accountants to get the get it and tell you how much you really spent, and then you come out of that something called a pre-tax profit, meaning once you have paid for the labor and material, marketing, sales, overhead, and some and and some other extraneous expenses, what's left is a net operating profit. But that's pre-tax. So I could give you a couple examples of that. Let's, let's just say, small operation, a guy does $4 million worth of business. And at the end of the year, he says, the accountant says, well, you did a nice job this year after your salary and your car and your insurance and everything. You made 5%. Now, if you did $4 million worth of business and you made 5%, that's $200,000. But if you did $4 million worth of business and made $200,000, you essentially spent $3,800,000 to make that $200,000. And that $200,000, because you're probably an LLC, hopefully, or an S-corporation, that $200,000 is yours prior to your paying taxes for it. So depending on what your tax base is, you might be as high as 40% taxes. Some of the people listening to this who do good business are up in the 45, 50, or 55% range with the taxes they pay. So go back to that $200,000. Is it worth all the risk you take and you're going to pay taxes on it and all the licenses you have and the permits you have to go and you have to hire people and be disappointed with them and hire salesmen who might abuse the leads? any and all of these things, are you not entitled to more profitability than that? Now, now take it from me, Brian. I hear all the things which are reported on uh, the trade magazines or at these seminars. And I have to tell you the highest percentage. I don't think people are lying. The highest percentage are not true because they haven't taken into consideration all the facts. And the average person in this business, in, in a small specialized business, should be looking at somewhere around 10% pre-tax net. That means when everything else is paid for, is there 10% profitability before you pay your taxes? That's at a minimum. A minimum. The good ones are at 12, 15, 18% and more. Is it exorbitant? Well, I'll stand for any question. No, it's not. Take a lot of risk being in your business. One guy decides not to pay you. Somebody files a Yelp or something you complain about you, and it takes you how much time and energy to clean that one up? You get at the end of a job, the the owner of the property dies, and uh, and now you, he's going to be in test state until 
you get paid for the job. Whatever those things are, you are at risk. I regret I made a speech there. No, and you was know that what? Clear though. And you know what? It was a great speech because okay. many of the people that I talk to need to hear that speech, and I give a similar one, not as eloquently and as as uh, detailed as yours. But oh, flattery things, will get you everywhere. Yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the things that I'd like you to clarify, because I know exactly what you're going to tell me. So, using your same example, your four million dollar company, all right, that nets the two hundred thousand. First off, we both agree it's way too low. It should be a minimum of ten percent after everything yeah. is paid for pre-tax net. Right. Now, what about the guy? that is out as a salesperson in that company, and he sold, let's just say he sold a million dollars that year. And you ask him about his sales commission, and he tells you, well, yeah, that was part of the 200000 Is that right? Wrong? Is it really part of the 200000 Well, let me see if I understand the example. He did $4 million worth of business, but he treated himself as one of the salespeople, Right, and he paid himself commission. Paid himself? No, the commission. He's he, he did pay himself commission, but he threw the commission back into his profit number. So well, his real profit but, was in this example. Let's say his real profit was a hundred thousand. I'm giving away my answer, my what I think. But his real profit was a hundred thousand. But he did. But he paid himself a a, a commission on his sales. Of a hundred thousand, and so when you ask him, well, how much money did you make? He says, well, my business made two hundred thousand. Well, but uh, see, I think it gets more confusing when you ask uh, someone, what kind of a salary do you uh, take on a regular basis? And that's where the mistakes start with. A uh, guy runs a small, closely held business, and he's got to have money to pay food, rent, and whatnot on his house, keep his kids in school. So if he's doing four million dollars worth of business, he may be drawing a salary of. Two hundred, two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. He draws on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. However, he draws salary. Mm -hmm. A mistake. Uh, in all probability, you should cap your salary at one hundred and fifty thousand. That's not to say you shouldn't take more weekly. Just cap that as a salary at one hundred and fifty thousand, because that's about where Social Security uh, caps out at about one hundred and forty. So, if you're not careful and you draw uh, two hundred and twenty thousand. Uh, that you're going to pay uh, Social Security that you are going to pay it personally and the company's going to pay a contribution and it's probably around the total of about 1.5% on that money. So you shouldn't draw any more than about $150,000 of salary. Then every week if you want to take another, um, you know, in other words, you could draw $220,000 a year, 150000 is salary, 70000 as a draw against anticipated earnings. Not too complicated. And this will wipe away one of the details. Now, if however you want to contribute to the profitability of your business, that's great, provided the owner of that business does not make the mistake at selling for less than his price that he makes salesmen sell for because he doesn't have that overhead. He isn't going to be paying someone. He throws it back into the company. But if you don't cover that 10%, there is no excess profitability in there. Exactly. Now, uh, answer that's a long answer to a brief question. I don't believe most of these things are thought out properly. 
and I don't I don't uh, harass the uh, account you have who gave you different information. Everybody on this podcast who listens to this should either be an S or a, an S corporation or an LLC, which is a limited liability company trading as a corporation. Not that complicated. I'm I, I do these live programs and I show people how to do it. They call me back and say, my, my accountant advised me I don't need to do that. No, you don't need to do it. It's wise to do it because that's the only way you're going to assess and be able to acquire the profitability to which you're entitled. So, again, uh, there, there are costs which are added to your business which you don't have to have. Yeah. So if you are that, if you are that company and you are out selling a million dollars, of it yourself, right? That hundred thousand is not should not be part of the profit of your number because you would have to pay somebody to do that job. See, my contention, correct me if I'm wrong, is if you do any job in your business that you would have to pay somebody else to do, that doesn't go against your profit. That, or well, that's you not counted as profit. That is a salary that you, a salary or commission that you should collect because you are doing a job for your company. Yeah, but but it doesn't really make any difference. I'm not arguing with you. It really doesn't make any difference, uh, Brian, for this reason. If you leave the hundred thousand dollars in as profitability, or you take it out as commission at the end. If you take it out as commission on a weekly basis, remember the $150,000 cap I told you about. Right. And his, his account can explain this to him. You cap out at $150,000. Now, the reason you're incorporated or an LLC is to give you protection against extraneous things that can happen. But how much salary you take, that's what you decide. When you draw every week anything that's called salary, commission or what have you, you are going to pay income tax on that. You're going to pay uh, Social Security, which is a form of income tax. Yeah. And you're going to pay it, the company pays it, and the individual pays it. So my suggestion is the simplest thing, draw $150,000, draw that, and anything you can take out of the profitability without hampering your cash flow, you're entitled to take. <clears throat> but just call that a profit distribution. Right. But if you are looking at, and see, and this is where this comes from, Dave. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick example. So I was on the phone with with a client in January. And um, they did $2.4 million in 2016. They're a good year. And, but the owner of the company sold half of that. He sold half of that. And he was not counting how he took the the money was you know he took the money, but what he didn't factor in was hey if I'm going to take out a hundred thousand dollars or if I am going to be selling a million dollars in my business, if I want to grow my business, I have to stop running leads for the most part, right? So if I have to stop running leads, I got to pay somebody to run those leads for me, right? And that's where that 100000 would would come in. So if he's running those leads, isn't he entitled to get that as a, as a commission 
But oh, that yeah. is on going his top line, not that that goes against his general and administrative and sales costs. That doesn't go against his profitability number. His profit number should come after all of the sales commissions and the salaries and everything have been paid. Well, internally, you can create a chart of accounts. Mm-hmm. And one of the chart of accounts could be for the owner for the amount of business he sold. Mm-hmm. But uh, elementally, it's when you take that money, when you disperse that money to yourself, how will that be treated in terms of payroll? So again, establish in the beginning. Okay, and what, see what you say makes a lot of sense. The average guy goes out, starts a small business, and he's doing well, and he's selling half the volume. He's not preparing for growth by saying my prices have to be sufficient that when I hire a salesperson to do this and pay him 10% commission and then pay taxes on what I pay him and the other extraneous cost that goes into managing, whether it's insurance or what have you, that sales cost to me is probably around 12 13% yeah. for that guy. Now, here you are, the, the owner, you're performing that task, and you're not qualifying what it's worth. Right. But but I do tell you that too much attention is given to, well, <clears throat> I'm going to pay myself a commission on this. Here, here's the factoid. You are entitled because you're going to run the business, you're going to get involved in all aspects of it, you're going to sign all the returns and what have you, you are entitled as a compensation to manage that business. If you take too much as salary, anything that it comes to you with salary, now you're going to pay taxes on it anyhow. Right. See, if you only take 150000 out, but you do another 100000 in anticipation of profitability, that 100000 if you're an S-corporation, is no different than $100,000 left in there that you're going to share the profitability. Because at that point, it is what the government, IRS, calls untaxed income. Yeah. But see, Brian, here's what we're doing. You and I are having a good intellectual conversation, and the average guy listens to this and says, hey, boom, that's all very confusing. I don't want to do that. I want to make it simple. Well, there are ways to make it simple. But by oversimplification, you may also be overpaying. Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example of a little higher uh, uh, item. So suppose the guy did $6 million, and the year before he had done $5 million. Now he looks at that and says, look at me. I now increased my revenue. I increased from $5 million to $6 million. What you just did was increase the business you're taking in by 20%. If you went from $5 million to $6 million, the difference is 20%. That's 100000 That's $1 million. Now you're doing $6 million. And in that, you have also incurred some risk. Why? Because if it's more money or more jobs, more revenue that you're taking in, you may need more help to install it. Otherwise, your backlog increases. And when your backlog increases, you're also investing in that backlog. So uh, in preparation for growing, you should be taking into consideration what you want this company to look like at $6 million, but you do that back when you're selling $5 million. Because at $6 million, you also might be impairing your cash, your capital that you have in your business, and make it more difficult to do business. There were people who in 2016 did more than they did in 15, and they ran into cash flow problems. 
Yeah. Why? Because it takes more money to do more business. And I'm talking about just things you might have to have a sub that you went from where you pay people for renting a truck or whatever it is. But all these things occur when you do more business and aren't prepared for it. But let's take that $6 million. Let's say a guy does well enough, and the, the guy you're talking to at 2.4 and now wants to hit 4 and wants to hit 5 and 6, is he prepared for 6? So he's probably reporting on something called a cash basis. We try to wean people away from that and keep them on an accrual basis. It's, it's a better form of accounting anyhow. His accountant may not share this with him, but it's a better form of accounting. And he makes sure that he gets deposits. And any deposit you take in is treated as a liability. I don't want this to get overly confusing. But when I have a group together such as we do in these uh, lively seminars, I explain it to people in a format that they can understand. If they don't understand it, we re-explain it. But these are the fundamentals you have to have. Go back to the $6 million. So last year, the guy said, uh, when I was doing $5 million, I made uh, $250,000. That's 5%. Now, I did $6 million. Uh, wait, I did $6 million. I made $275,000. Isn't that great? No, that's not great. Because you had to do another million dollars worth of business to pick up what? $25,000 more than you made at the other? And you you five. Million, you're making two. You were drawing 250. You're making 250 on your business beyond your salary. Now you do six million. You make 275. That's not a good trade-off, and that's because the the structure of your pricing was not correct, and the allocation of costs was not correct. And even the thing I just passed by quickly about taking deposits. Deposits, when handled correctly on an accrual accounting basis are liabilities, meaning that, that when you take in a deposit, uh, we have clients when they're very, very new, they resist this because, uh, well, we want people to trust us and we don't do it that way and the people don't pay to the end. Mistake. If you're taking 25 or 30% deposit on every cash job, I want you to think about the amount of money that it gives you towards labor. Now, you have to do it properly. You can't squander the money, but it will give you more money which, in accounting parlance, is treated as a liability means you do not pay taxes on it. Now, there are some cautions because in some states, they only allow you to take, they structure an amount which you can take, let's say, they'll say you can't take more than $10,000 or things of that nature. But here are the things you have to look at. And incidentally, some of these things, people can go online with us, give them that way to go online with us, and they'll find free information and things that we've published that explain this in detail. Happy for them to get it free if we never see them and never get to shake their hands. We're happy to disseminate this information. Yeah. There's a lot to know. One comment. Well, I when you start doing business in the millions, you're also spending millions. Right. Well, one comment I want to make is you, you said earlier about that this is complicated. Um, it is complicated. Business is not it, – it, it is complicated, and – I just I just want everybody that's listening to 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 think about who this information is coming from. You know, th- this is a man that's been in the business for 
a very long time, who's run his own successful companies, who's had a hand in some of the most successful businesses in the industry. And it gets complicated. If you want to grow your business and you want to have long-term sustainable success, this is the way that you've got to be looking at these things. So if you're a little put off by the accounting terms, um, it's going to hold you back from growing. Um, there are resources that are that are available to you through Dave Yoho's company that will help you that will help you through this. Um, well, some of them, of them things, I just wanted to make sure I yeah. made that comment, Dave, because yeah, yeah, but some of them are you know, and there's all kinds of state and federal agencies that publish things. Some of them make sense and some don't. Yeah. But if you simply go to a seminar, you go to a, to a trade publication. Brian, and you they hear this guy say, well, we did $10 million last year, and we brought uh, 10 points to the bottom. That means he made a million dollars if he brought 10 points. He's talking about 10%. And yet, I in all probability represent this guy, and I in all probability have seen his operation. That's what he makes, and that's not what he makes. Yeah. But see, there's a sense of bravado and ego because you're up in the million-dollar, multi-million-dollar range, that's uh, in a small business. That, that's a big number, yeah. and you to be admired to get to that number. But you have to learn some of the intricacies of staying there and making it viable. Making sure that that money you take in is spent in the proper way. And uh, the, as you grow this business, you would like it to grow too. It is difficult to grow a building. Uh, the business, I beg your pardon, is difficult to grow a business by trying to build assets to run it because it don't work that way. <clears throat> this guy who did uh, $2 million four, and he was probably comfortable in there. Now, the minute he hires two salesmen beyond the one he may have already, now he's got three salesmen and himself. He's got four people on the payroll in the sales department. Now you got chaos. Mm-hmm. Or he starts to advertise. Do you know that last year, the cost of an issued lead, the lead handed out to a salesperson from all the sources involved, averaged $376.70. $376.70. Last year, that increased by $50, $50 the average cost of an issued lead. And but what does that mean? Is it well? What did it pay you to acquire the lead? What did it pay you to service it? Then you set it up. You give it to a salesperson. They don't get in to see every one of these people. They don't go in to present every one of these people. So it requires some internal record record keeping to make sure these things are right. And uh, when we talk about things um, such as what did it cost you to get to that point? We show, we have a thing, and your people can write in for it, there's no charge. The true cost of a mishire, if you mishire, you hire the wrong person, the person you believe is glib, the person you believe can sell. And if that person is not directed properly, what does that person cost you at the end of three, six, nine months? And how long will it take you to recover that? And the cost is is crazy. But But keep in mind... If the cost of giving a lead in your organization isn't $376, God bless you. Suppose it's $180 or $200. Well, every time you give that guy five leads, you're giving him $1,000. You give him 10 leads a week, that's $2,000 a week. That's $100,000 in a year. That's scary. 
But it's only scary if you don't prepare for it. And just being profitable means you have to find a way to enhance the capitalization of your business. Because more businesses go out of particularly small entrepreneurial style businesses, they go out of business annually because of this factor, Brian. Yeah. And I admire what about. you do with these people in, in teaching them that that prospect once becomes a customer, every everything about the way you handle them breeds can you sell them again. Will they refer you to others? And that's a big part of what you teach. That's a part of the business. If you don't understand that, then you're going to have to constantly, heavily invest in getting prospects. Yeah. So with profitability, um, with the issue of profitability, so you know, if I'm if I'm the company, the three or four million dollar company, and I'm not making the money I should be making, I'm not making ten percent. What are some things I have to do? In order to get me to the right profitability, I know that's a that's a whole long conversation, but just a couple of bullet points of what do I need to do? Well, there are a whole list of things that you can do. Uh, the ten greatest mistakes that small we we publish this ten or twelve small um, greatest mistakes small business people make. Just like things like. Um, when you take a job, what is your turn time? How long does it take you from the day you take a job to the day you complete it? And just look at this. If it takes you, let's say, let's say you're in the window business, and from the time you get the order to you finish installing it, it's five weeks. <clears throat> now, what I want you to look at is a calendar which says you've got 48 working weeks in a year. There are 52 weeks, but 48 working weeks. So look at 48 first. And then if it takes you five weeks five weeks from the day you get the order to the day you install it and collect your money. Now, then they, you know, most of the window manufacturers will ship you quicker than that, but you have to have a routine that you get the deal, you get your, uh, your installers or your subs to install this deal, and usually if you look at the record, it's about five weeks. But if you take that five now and divide it into... 48, meaning there are 48 working weeks in a year, and it takes you five weeks to get it, you see that that's 9.5. In other words, you will turn your money over 9.5 times. So here's a guy running, let's say, a $3 million business. And at the end of the $3 million, he's going to make $250,000. So he's going to spend $275,000. Divide that by 9.5. That's what you need to run that business. Now your accountant will tell you, well, it's more complicated because it's, there's depreciation involved. Yes, I know all the rules. Yes, that's called EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes. And you say, okay, now there's depreciation and appreciation and whatever. But the truth is, that's what it's costing you. Divide the 9.5, nine and a half times a year you turn that money over. And for you to stay in that business, that's the amount of money you need. So you need the profitability at the end of the year so you can pay the taxes and leave more money in your business. Now, keep in mind, you can leave money in your business. It still belongs to you. You know, these are earnings which you've already made and paid taxes on it. You can keep some of that in there to run your business so you never get cash poor. It's a long road. And again, uh, you know, we even published something called 
how to run a profitable or more profitable business, and it's uh, it's a booklet that with all the recordings in it. I don't know, it's about four inches thick, but it's got all these recordings and all these profit points, and it shows you that the average person doesn't plan for that, so it never comes out that way. Yeah, yeah, and that's the big thing is you've got to plan for it. Um, yeah. Well, so one of the things as as we wrap up, and Dave, we could keep going, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're um, welcome. This you're has welcome, been right. valuable information. But, <clears throat> you know, for everybody listening, um, if you really want to be successful in this business and you really want a, a business that's going to last a long time, you just got a little taste of some of the principles that have to be in place in order to run a multi-million dollar operation in the home improvement space. Um Dave offers, like Dave mentioned, um, I'll put it in the show notes, but you can go to DaveYoho.com. There's a ton of resources there, both paid and free. You know, don't just look for the free stuff. You know, free is... Yeah, it's, it's okay that they look for just... No, that's fine, but free is, you know, free is free. Go pay for some of this stuff, too, and get educated, because that's what's going to help you grow. And the other thing I would recommend is um, go to one of the live uh, workshops, the live seminars. There's, um, you can go to DaveYoho.com or you can go to HIP Summit, H-I-P-Summit.com, and look for Dave's live events because that's where you're going to go and you're going to be immersed for a day. You're going to just be there focused on your business, listening to the, the top experts in this space, talking about your business and how to grow your business and how to make your business profitable and successful. And all of these things that Dave is talking about, like, Dave, the the thing that you talked about, the $150,000. So last yeah. year, we hired a new accountant. One of the first things he said is, why are you guys paying yourselves the way that you are? You realize that you're paying um, extra money that you should not be paying. So he restructured uh, me and my partners' salaries so that um, – you know, to adjust for what you exactly what you were talking about, and it yes, saved yes. us money this year uh, on taxes. But it's it's these small things um, that make a big difference at the end of the year. So um, again, Dave, and, and there are a lot of those. By the way, There's there the are you a lot of order your product, whether you order on a credit card or you pay by check, whatever that is. The timing of your orders, how you pay. And if you pay promptly all the time, how you sometimes get uh, discounts from your your vendors, your regular material suppliers, if you can pay promptly. And the strangest thing, when you run a big company, you know, and I represent many, many big companies that were small when they started. But you want to think about it. If you could earn 2% every time you pay a bill, Hmm. uh, the, the marvelous thing is that's compounded interest. Which means that by two percent a month, you're probably making thirty-two point seven. I think that's the uh, rather thirty-two point seven on your money. Where are you going to get? Where are you going to get that kind of interest? So your account was right, and people do it all the time, and they think, well, my other accountant tolerated it, and and never mentioned it at all. And here you bring a guy who says, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're doing is okay. However, here's where you can save some money. Yeah. And that's a glorious find. Find out. And and one one final thing. 
See, you're you're a bright inventor. I'm not blowing smoke on you, but the first time we ever met you, you came to one of our programs as a student, as I remember it. And that's where most people make the mistake because they're in business and they are successful and they think they know all that they have to know. And they refuse to admit what they don't know. And that's the most dangerous time of all. That's right. And uh, coin is a great industry. It'll do... Three hundred twenty-five to three hundred billion dollars this year, and tragically, eighty percent of the people in the business do not come from educated backgrounds, and they haven't done anything about educating themselves for the future. The big ones—they learn that, they grow exponentially, they become public corporations, they get sold. As you well know, we had a client who sold his business to Home Depot for ninety-six million dollars. Now, they were doing $200 million a year, but 17 years earlier, they started in zilch at nothing. Yeah. I don't know what your goals are, but I will tell you that if you think education is expensive, think of what the lack of education costs people. Beautifully said. Thank you, Dave. I, I appreciate everything you do for us, and... Um, I could keep going for hours with you, and I hopefully I, I can have you back because I have more questions for you. All right. Well, thank you very much, too. And for all those that are listening to this podcast, listen to it again. You pass it through your, your intellectual sieve, and the second time it comes out, you'll retain more information. Go online. Find out what these things are about. Google what you want to know. And we do offer a lot of things for, for, with no cost. We don't really care. That's part of what we do. That's part of what God calls us to do, by the way. Contribute that what you have back to those that don't have. And you go online, you see a lot of free stuff. Now you know you have to get it, but look at it, read it, or listen to it. Thank you for the opportunity. And to all those listening, uh, may you have a great and bountiful 2017. Thank you. <laughs>